It's Flat Out RC time. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name is Andrew Sill coming to you from the land down under, Melbourne, Australia. Good to have you back. Going to be a good one. It's going to be an informative uh, episode this week. Uh, but before I forget, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, so that you stay up to speed with all the latest and greatest that happens every week here in Flat Out RC land. So today's special guest coming up will be Marco Fort. Marco Fort uh, is an aero modeler, of course, but he also runs a trailer manufacturing business. So I've always been trying to keep an eye out for people that might be an expert in their field that can add some value to the audience. And I think uh, trailers, carting our models to the field is, is something that if you're into large-scale models, you're going to have to uh, take an interest in just so you can get your models to the field. So Marco's going to join us and we're going to have a chat about uh, trailers for aero modeling. So stay tuned. But before we get to that, let's have a look at what's been on my mind. What has been on my mind? Well, Christmas is coming. Christmas in Australia means a few things. Summer is here, holidays, and plenty of food, and hopefully some flying. It's a time of year that I look forward to. I, I normally go down the coast to some relatives' place. I'm a member of a club near there, and I, I take a few planes, and I try to get out there as often as I can, weather permitting. If the weather's good, I'm at the flying field and I'm there all day. And the family love that. I get to go by myself. They get to do their thing, get to catch up with some friends down there and go for a fly. And so we're only three three or so weeks away. Wondering what your 2022 is going to look like, what you're hoping to do as far as aero modeling goes. And for me, the one big thing is trying to get back to events. I think that here in Australia, uh, the whole idea of restrictions um, as a result of COVID sort of dying out. We're learning to live with it. And uh, I think what that means is we will see the the flying events come back. Uh, and it, look, it's been two years really when we think about it uh, that we've been missing these, these events. They've been few and far between. We know that some of the, the, the competition side of the hobby uh, have done their best to try to put some events on. We saw an IMAC event recently out at Echuca. I know as I as I speak, there's a, an F3A competition happening down here as well. Uh, but that general fun fly kind of thing has not existed. We've, we've talked about the Shepherd and Mammoth event, one of the big giant scale events here in Australia. Uh, I suppose I got the bug in, in the past week, we've seen the Dubai Jets event happening and and some good friends were there. Jace Ducia, Martin Pickering has, of course, uh, been on the podcast. And, and Sasha Ciccone, actually the three of them, uh, and a few other gun aerobatics guys were there just doing demonstration flights and also flying some jets. And uh, and that looks like a, a wonderful event. And I love seeing those kind of things um, when I you know jump onto Facebook and something a bit fresh. So I'm really, really looking forward to flying at fun flies next year so that's on my bucket list i'm really looking forward to flying my my competition glider my f5j glider that i haven't actually had an opportunity to fly yet uh, so i'm really looking forward to that because always for me summer means gliding uh weather i'll take my slope saw with me i think away because um if you saw a video that i, that I posted last year or the start of this year probably 
or towards the end of last year, I, I took my slope saw down there. I was down at the coast and uh, went for a fly at a place called 13th Beach. There's actually a hang gliding uh, launch there and uh, nothing beats a slope soaring session right on the ocean, ocean waves crashing. Uh, it was just, I could be there for hours. So I'll probably take that for another run. So I'm looking forward to that. So gliding is always on my bucket list. Uh, building models, not on my list. Uh, proudly say that I've got enough planes. I'm probably the only error modeler that can then that can admit to that, but I've got enough models. Just want to fly them. Uh, don't have time for building at the moment, um, but don't need to because I've got plenty of things to go for a fly. So looking to get forward to get back into it. Since we've been released from lockdowns down here where I live, uh, I haven't actually had an opportunity to go flying. We've um, the weather hasn't been great. I, I did make a mistake last week. I should have gone for a fly, but uh, I wasn't planned, organised enough to get out there, but. Again, I'm looking out the window now. Wind is up. There were some people flying, I think, but um, I had to go to work. It's a Saturday at the moment, as I record this. I had to go to work, so um, been still busy with that, traveling a bit, but really looking forward to 2022. So send me a message. Tell me what you're looking forward to in 2022, and if you're down my neck of the woods, I look forward to seeing you at a flying event, and then I've, oh, no, I can't wait to tell you about them as well. So... Stay tuned. 2022 is going to be a big one. Start getting prepared for Christmas. Get in some eating practice so that you can make the most of Christmas Day and and what happens after it. So there we go. It's all happening. End of the year is coming. It is guest time, my favourite part of the podcast. Uh, This week's guest is a a gentleman by the name of Marco Fort. Marco I met at the Wang Jets event for the first time. Uh, really nice guy, laid back kind of guy. Uh, loves his aero modelling. Only really been into it since about 2018. Um, had a few fits and starts, as you'll uh, you'll you'll find out. But uh, I thought of Marco in my in my attempt to try to find some specialists that could really um, add some value to us. And I started thinking a bit sort of laterally about um, you know the average aero modeler. And, and for any of you that have got giant scale planes or larger models, you know how hard it is to get into the field and, and all roads lead to getting some form of trailer to to tow your, your, your behind your car to take to the field. And Marco happens to build them. And so I thought we'd get him on and just have a bit of a chat about his aero modeling, but also uh, a few tips and, and that we both share really, some of my experiences having got a trailer built and uh, owning a trailer and also Marco in, of course, building them and, and how modern trailers built down here in Australia and materials use, etc. So good chat with Marco. Hope you get something out of it. Well, you may have heard me talk about this year how I want to have guests on that have some special expertise uh, around things to do with aero modelling. And this week we do have a specialist, Marco Fort. Thanks for joining me. It's uh, good to be here, Andy. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about trailers because you have a, a trailer manufacturing business, but you're also into aero modelling. So let's talk. Yep. Let's talk planes and stuff and uh, how you got started. So that okay. is the first question. Where did your aero modelling journey begin? Okay, uh, it began in uh, 1995. Uh, my 10th birthday, my dad bought me a glider kit. So it was a precedent Electra Fly Two, I believe. Um, so yeah, we built this thing over several months got it all finished. Uh, We ended up pinching the servos and radio gear out of my brother's uh, little Tamiya um, grasshopper just to get it going. (laughs) uh, 
Yeah, so we got it all going. Uh, we checked everything. Yeah, it's all working. So we went down to the park and uh, the, old, the old man was controlling it. And he goes, all right, um, throw the thing. So, yep, I've launched it. He's full throttle, full elevator. Thing pitched right up and uh. then pointed the nose down just straight into the ground. Split the wings in half. That was that. <laughs> that is the uh, the most common, common first accident of anybody yep. with like a two-channel <laughs> glider. They go out and say, oh, well, and they just pitch it up and stall it and whack it into the ground. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, we, um, a couple of years later, we, uh, well, we fixed it up and we were moving down from Queensland to Rye to live with my grandparents until we um, bought a house. So I was 12 years old at the time and uh, the old man had the genius idea of uh, strapping it to the side of the trailer, strapping the wings to the side of the trailer. It had this huge wingspan. And um, I'm thinking, oh, it's not going to work. It's going to end in disaster. We got about halfway there and I just looked in the, um, looked out the window and just seen the wings fluttering and then it just ripped to pieces. (laughs) So (laughs) That was it. Yeah, that was it. You got back to you got to Melbourne finally, minus the wings. Yep, yep. And let me guess, then you just gave up it for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Had this fuse, couldn't do anything with it, so we just chucked it out. And um, uh, we found out there was a club not far away from us, actually five minutes away. So the old man again uh, went out and bought a flare puppeteer uh, kit. So. I think the build for that went went for about four years before we gave up, <laughs> and then uh, it's, it it started again in two thousand and six. I bought a Great Plains Mustang, forty six size, brand new, um, yeah, brand new uh, from Hearns Hobbies. Bought a high tech, uh, what are they called a it was a six channel high tech. It was still uh 36 meg so started building that and that went for 10 years on and off ended up giving it to my uncle to finish and it's just a static model hanging up um yeah but going back to 2006 i went to a hobby shop in frankston with my cousin we're looking for parts for our uh rc cars just a mat on you know flash parts and uh it was the first time we discovered an ARF. So we saw this, uh, I think it was called a Sky Raider, uh, 46 size. It was an ARF and it's like, what? You could build it in a day. That's, it was like, yep. We uh, combined our money. We bought that, chucked all the radio gear in it, put, put an OS 46 in it, got it ready the next day. And uh, we took it down to, uh, took her to primary school. And um, had no idea about CG or throws or even uh, the the direction of where the ailerons are. <laughs> so yeah, we were just guessing. And uh, he had the first flight, and like we didn't even read the manual properly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's taken off, and he's banked right. It's gone left, and it's pointing towards um, all of us, and. We're all just like we just scattered. We just ran. This thing's just coming for us. And eventually, uh, he hit my girlfriend at the time um, with with the wing. Perfect. 
So that was it for that. So, yeah, gave it up completely. And, you know, look, I've thought about it over the years on and off and just never really got around to it until um, 2018. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Don Viviano actually came up and uh, bought a trailer off me. And he saw my motorbikes that I've been restoring. He's like, oh, get rid of the motorbikes, get into RC planes. And I'm like, nah, nah. He's like, look, just come down to the club. I'll show you. I'll, I'll introduce all the guys to you, show you what we do. And it's like, all right, Dom. So I went down and I saw his uh, Hangar 9 um, 60cc Mustang. And I was just blown away by the size of this thing. And I'm like, yep, I want that. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so he just, he goes, look, just buy yourself a trainer, come down, we'll help you fly it, we'll get you in the air. So, I mean, the plane I bought, what, I don't think it was exactly a trainer, it was a Phoenix uh, Tiger Moth. And, <laughs> you, <yeah>. You've really <laughs> made some poor choices of models to buy, haven't you? I do. <laughs> yeah. So I brought, like, I bought it, I built it, I finished it, I brought it down to the club and they're like, oh, it's not really a a trainer that, you know, we'll take it up and, you know, we'll hand the, hand the, um, the uh, radio over to you. Just, just do some, you know, circles. We'll get you up high and just do some circles. So I did that and, it, yeah, it was all right. And um, then they got me on the club trainer, which was a E-Flight Apprentice. Yeah, that makes and, more sense. Oh, it was totally different ball game, just doing uh, – they just got me doing circuits on it. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think I had about three or four flights on it during the day and had Dom sit, standing next to me and he's he's a bit stubborn. He likes to push you and he's like, oh, you know, do your left and right, uh, left to right circuits. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, just come a bit lower, come a bit lower. And he's like, Marco, you can land this. I'm like, no, I can't. He's like, yeah, 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 just chop the throttle and, you know, just let it sink. So I did that and I landed it. It was, yeah, my second day flying. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, at least you're off to, at least this time you got in the air and came back in one piece. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I was instantly hooked from then. And uh, yeah, flying planes just didn't stop from there. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, you got that bug. You know what's amazing yep. about your story is how many times you had a crack at it and then failed, but it yep. never died. Like there must have been some interest over a long period of time, this fascination with, with model planes to go and make the effort and spend the money to get back into it. And, and now, now, you're, yeah. now you're not looking back, are you? No, not at all. I don't think I could ever quit. Um, even after the uh, crash I had last weekend. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I just, nah, I can't let it go. <laughs> and it gets in your blood, doesn't it? You can't shake it. It does, yep. Yep. So you've, you, you've progressed pretty quickly because I know you as a jet guy now. Obviously, yep. the guys down at your local club, and I know a few of them, there's a few avid jet flyers there. They, they, where, how did you get into jets? So we're fast-forwarding a lot, but yep. how did you get into to jets after those, those early sort of, you know, flying the uh, E-Flight Apprentice? Well, I, um, I actually went down to P&Darts and Steve Malkman, gave me some lessons he was um like he spent the day with me i had a little um hangar nine mustang 
it, it wasn't the trainer, it was the sport. It looked like the PTS. Yeah. But it was the sports model. It didn't have those add-on plastic uh, things for the wings. So I brought that down and it's like, oh, we'll get you up. We'll do Buddy Box, both on Spectrum. So, yeah, we're just playing around on that and, and his Boomerang 60. And, um, yeah, so I was close. I, I think five months after I started, I got my silver wings through Steve. Yeah. And I went down to Pea and Darks just to have a bit of a fly, and I saw Glenn Orchard's uh, Elan, um, the boomerang jet. And I was like, whoa, what is that? I'll just stop you there. Glenn Orchard's, Glenn Orchard's name has come up in almost every – I don't know whether he came up in the podcast last week. I can't remember what was my – Okay. okay. <laughs> He's been come up if, – if he did come up last week, this is the fourth week in a row – uh, wow. <laughs> no, he didn't come up in last week's episode, but he, he missed the thing. Yeah. And I have asked Glenn Orchard to come on the podcast and he just sent me laughing emojis. He still, oh, really? he still won't come. So if you, <laughs> when you see him next, can you please just tell him, come on, get on the podcast? He, he knows me well. Oh, yeah, definitely. But he's just reluctant yeah. for some reason. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Yeah. You, saw his, oh, you, saw right. his big, you saw his jet, which I think yep. he still might have it. And, he uh, does, yeah. And that's and you fell in love, and that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I fell in love with this thing. I was, I just couldn't believe the sound, uh, the smell, everything. I just, I was hooked. And it would have been that would have been January in nineteen, two thousand nineteen, and I started hunting for a jet, uh, probably about four months after that, and. I found one in New South Wales. It was a JSM Excalibur. It was actually a customer of an old customer of mine owned it. So I rang him up and yeah, we had a chat about it. We we agreed on a price and uh, I drove all the way to Cobram to pick it up, which was the worst drive ever. I just, that many towns I had to go through. <laughs> uh, it took me took me ten hours up and back. It was ridiculous. <laughs> worth it though to plane. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely worth it. Yeah. So got the thing going. Um, I probably went to six, uh, five jet meets before um, before we got went into lockdown. And then we came out of lockdown. There was still no jet mees because we kept coming in and out. This was last year. And one day I was at the club with uh, Mark Stewart, Greg Escort, Don Viviano. They were all flying jets. I brought mine down. And uh, I was just like, you know what, stuff it, taxied it out. And they're like, oh, you don't have to do this, Marco, if you're not comfortable. And I just said to Mark, look, if I get uncomfortable, we you, you fly, will you land it for me? It's like, yep, no worries. So I just took off and that was it. <laughs> it hmm. all started from there. So that would have been July last year before we went into that really big lockdown. Yeah. And then yeah. ever since then, you started spending more money on jets. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I spend money on. <laughs> that's, see, a jet, a jet people get the bug. And, and yeah. Like, oh, I, I've bucked the trend. I got the jet, as you know, and yep. I'm actually not looking at. I'm not interested in any other models to purchase at this point in time. I have no more room left in my house to put another 
another thing. And 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 we'll talk about my trailer when we get to talking about trailers because, you know, if it doesn't fit in my trailer and I can't store it in my trailer, then I, I can't put it in there. I can't get another model. So something would have to go for me to <laughs> before I could get something else. But <laughs> but it's amazing how you know we all know that. Jets are a bit more expensive, you know, to, to invest in. But um, yeah, gee, I tell you what, you know, what, I, what I say is, you see those era models, and they see a model, and they get that twitch in their eye, and that's them yep. falling in love and imagining, imagine if I own that plane, what it would be like to fly it, and all. And they convince themselves that they have to have it, and then they yes. go and fork the money out and they hide the plane from their wives, so they don't know how much money <laughs> they spent. If they ask, how much did that cost? Oh, I got it a good deal. How much did it cost? Oh, a couple of grand. And then they're off your back yep. until they realise. <laughs> nah. nah, a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, so let's um let's let's have a look at what what planes are currently got in the hangar. What's left after okay. the last incident? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> okay, I've got uh well I've got the Excalibur, so that's my go-to jet. Um, I'll I'll take that everywhere with me. Um, I've got a ASM Panther, which I got from Phil Singh. Earlier in the year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a simple model. Um, yeah, I, I, it's ready to fly. I just need to get my confidence back up. Um, what else have I got? I've got a Cessna three ten, uh, running on six S. Oh really? Twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful looking model. Yeah, I was going to um, say they was, look great. Yeah, it's a Nitro models. I think the uh, brand is. Yeah, what's yeah. the wingspan on that? Oh, I can't remember. I think it's close to two and a half meters. Yeah, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, but very, very light plane. It's yeah, it flies great. Um, what else have I got? I've got the free wing F fourteen, which I've only had one flight on. Um, I've got an old Skymaster Hawk, which that's been an on and off pro project. Oh yeah. Yeah, so at the moment I'm just up to riveting and then I'll give it a nice new paint job and then I'll do the fit out. That's a big uh, one. How, how big is that? That's the one fifth and a half scales. So that's What's about 2.2 metres. Oh, okay. What, what mode are you putting that? I'll probably put the 120 in once it comes back from repairs. The K120, yeah. Now, speaking of the plane that you just lost, let's, let's just yep. let's remember it in all its glory. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Which one was it? It was the L thirty nine, the Skymaster. Oh. oh, and that's the yep. Czechoslovakian team, isn't it? Um, that's right. Yeah, yep. scheme. Yep. That's yep. awesome. That's my favorite. One of my favorite looking L thirty nine schemes. Oh, well, it, actually, it, it is. It is. It was stunning. Um, like even just going in the garage, it'll it'll just stop me. I'll look at it and. Yeah, I just love that model. It flew really well. Um, unfortunately, I just made a few mistakes leading up to nerves building up. And then, um, unfortunately, I think I might have pulled back on the throttle and I was trying to get it back to the runway. And she just pointed the nose down and just went in. Yeah. So, not much it. left of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's been a few stories in the past few weeks of a, a few few jets going in at some of the jet events but um yeah it's one of those things you know it's you know what you know at the start of this episode, you know, this interview I sort of said that I've been trying to get specialists on on the um on the podcast that can really add some value to the audience and and the one that I, the next one I've really thought of is getting a psychologist on to talk about that psychology of flying 
of that, yep. that, that, you know, how, like, I'll give you an example. If you were flying an e-flight apprentice, you'd land it every day. And yep. the with a jet, I always say that a jet's just another aeroplane. It's got ailerons and a rudder and an elevator. It's, there's just something about it, and I think, it's the, you know, we always know that the higher the value of the model, the the different we, you know, the more considered we are in the way that we fly the plane to the point of um, nerves taking over, and which impairs our, our, our um, abilities. And... I'd love to get some tips from a psychologist how you combat that. I, you know, I've had some chats with some about it, but um, but yeah, it's it's one of those tricky things. Like I've been playing a lot of table tennis, and why is it that I can get a great <laughs> hit up, like a warm up, hit the ball really nicely, and then as soon as the game starts, fall apart? That's like it. literally within the space of ten <laughs> seconds, totally and utterly fall apart. And so there's this psychology thing that comes into everything that we do is how to stay. Relax, but I was when I did my maiden flight on my jet, the first turbine flight I did, I was so chomping at the bit to get out out to fly the plane that I didn't have time to have nerves. I didn't feel that nervous, and I'd also started, okay. I'd also mentally started preparing myself. I had a vision of what my first flight was going to look like three weeks before yep. I actually flew the plane. I'm going to take off, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to need hardly any trim, and I'm going to turn left. I'm still going to keep the gear up at this stage. I'll wait till the back leg of the circuit because I just need to make sure that everything is sort of trimmed out. Then I'll get on the back yep. leg and I'll just trim it out. And then and then when I come in for landing, it's going to be easy. It's going to be very simple. I'm just going to make sure that I have a nice approach. Don't keep the speed too low. Remember, I've got plenty of runway. Put it on the ground. Put the brakes on. Flight done. And because I, I sort of workshopped it in my mind, I flew to that vision. And when I landed, I went, yep. I, I think you filled it. Um it wasn't much of a flare. Yeah. It was a, it was an arrival, but it came back in one piece. And I went, okay, that was what I had in my mind. Like even I want to test the flaps out and see what they're like. And I think uh, that sometimes can help. We just got to talk ourselves up. Next time we're at a jet meet together, we'll talk each other up and tell tell each other oh, how definitely. great we are. <laughs> I, should, I should take your advice. <laughs> I, I I always used to struggle on my landings, and that was one thing I practiced. Like I had. I had some, I had some bigger models, nice planes, but I always struggled to land them. Like I bounce them, I do a heap of go around. So one day I just thought, uh, you know what? I'll bring that old trainer out again, the little Mustang, and just practice touch and go. Like so, twenty minute flight time on the nitro. So <laughs> that's yeah, a lot like of touch I, and goes. Yeah, well, I do, I do about twelve touch and goes uh, every flight, and do about six or seven flights in the day. I uh, did this like every weekend that we had good weather for a couple of months and until I didn't have to think about it, I was just nailing landings, landing after landing, just nailing them. And that's what got me confident to maiden the uh, jet down at my field, which a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have their first jet flight at a field where you've got a limited runway. Uh, like you'd wait for a jet event where you've got pretty much unlimited runway. Um, it's nice and wide, but um, I knew we were going into a big lockdown. No, I just couldn't wait. So, yeah, and uh, nailed the landing. <laughs> it's a good tip, yeah. though, like that idea of just going out there and just doing touch and goes. Grab the easiest plane yep. that you got to fly almost that you can bring in. And, you know, I'm going to have um, a few weeks back, I had Michael Timms on as a guest, and he had some great, great tips. He's a full-size pilot. And he, he had a very, very structured approach to flying. And I said, I'm going to get him back on. That's one of the things we're going to grill him about is, 
you know, like one of his tips that he talked about is if when you fly a jet, he normally like he trains people to fly a good rectangular circuit. So then you can yep. give yourself the best chance to get on the runway in one piece. But he said with jets, on that on that final leg and that final turn onto the runway, he actually does an arcing um, an arcing turn. So it's a big slow curve onto the runway because he said the longer you can see the plane on its side, you can judge the speed better. Because every t- right. every time I've had a problem with a landing, it's because I came in long and flat. And yes, I end up hitting a tree, us. or I can't judge this. I can't judge where I am, kind of thing. And he put it like it, a light bulb moment, you know, it was for me. And I went, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, and so he doesn't do a long, long approach with his jets. He does sort of a steeper approach, but um, curves it on gently so he can see that side of that plane. I thought, oh, that's the tips we need. We need those kind of tips. Not, not people just saying, get it on the runway. <laughs> well, I actually stood with him uh, down at, at the uh, four-day weighing, and he was explaining to me um, on the final leg, he had the nose slightly pitched up, and he, he said, that's the speed you want to go. And if you keep that nose up and just let it sink, it'll keep that speed, it'll keep that momentum. And you do that just like that really, what you were saying, that really wide turn rather than going out doing that rectangle circuit and then just having it you know straight down the runway because yeah it's really hard to judge the speed and yeah like a lot of that's caught me out a lot of times like I, I can't see how fast it's going sometimes I'm too fast sometimes I'm too slow um with the L39 when when I was too slow I was I was actually doing that turn, but that wasn't on the landing. Um, I was getting ready to land. I was going to put the gear down and, you know, put the flaps on. But I think I was just trying to, like, it just went way over over the grass and I was fighting it, fighting it. I, I, I reckon I pulled the, pulled the throttle down and didn't realise because I was so focused on trying to get it back, and <laughs> so, and just watching, just watching it fall out of the sky, just it, it was like it was in slow motion, and I knew I couldn't do anything about it, and there was just so much confusion, and yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to go and pick up the pieces, but unfortunately, it's my plane, and I have to do it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know what you've learned, you've learned from it, but it, it, it's a lesson for everybody about. Um, maintaining a clear head and you know not that the more anxious we get and the more nervous we get the more impaired our decision making is and as you said you know you've articulated it really well that you know it's confusion you know that what have i done you lose sight you know it's talking about table tennis again i was my son plays with me and he was, he was saying to me, oh, I can't focus. And, I, and I'm trying to get him to articulate, what do you mean you can't focus? What are you trying to focus on and that you can't focus on? And he sort of can't articulate it yet as to when he says, I can't focus. It's like there's too much happening at once that complicates his thinking. Like I'll say to him, just think about your feet moving in the right position or something like that. But when there's multiple things that you need to be mindful of, 
and you're in a stressful situation. That's what. Yeah. That's why someone like Michael Timms is good because pilots are trained to handle difficult situations and how to methodically work through that. But um, it can um, also get confusing when you've got someone telling you like, oh, you're, do- you're doing this, you're too far over, you're, you're going too fast, you're going too slow. And sometimes you're just better off if they're not there talking to you and you can, you can just, you know, relax and just work it out yourself. Um, I agree. I've seen, I've yeah. sat on the flight line at the Shepherd and Mammoth event and yep. watched people um, tell their mates, okay, come a bit slower, a bit to the left now, and they always end up plonking it in because that, like you said, that person is just impacting their thought processes. Let the person That's just right. fly the plane and bring it in. Yeah. And yep. as long as they get it on the runway in some sort of one piece, that is good. But yeah, I agree. It's terrible, isn't it, when people sitting there going, oh, okay, especially in landing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I know they're um like they're there to help and um like they just want you to have a successful flight. No, they don't want you to break your plane or anything. That's why they're there. Um, that's why they're talking you through it. And um, but yeah, sometimes it's just too much information. Then it gets it gets too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you think about it in a full-size plane, you don't think, uh, you know, the person sitting in front of that, uh, in that cockpit of that 737 and the first officer's got to land the plane, the captain's not sitting there going, okay, a bit too fast, okay, slow it back, okay, a bit to the left, okay, put a bit of rudder in, okay, flaps down, are you flaps down? Okay, you ready for it? Okay, okay, you got to flare now. And by that stage, it's in the ground. It's a very, very calm environment. You're letting people think and have the, you know, to concentrate on what they're supposed to do and... And you know the talking is is kept to a minimum, <laughs> and I think for all you aeromodelers out there that love to chit chat with your mates and give them some pointers whilst they're coming to land, if you want them to crash, talk to them. If you want them to land the plane in one piece, <laughs> let it go. Even exactly. if it doesn't look pretty, they'll still get it on in some way, shape, oh, or that's form. Right. But don't interrupt their thought processes. Yep. Oh well. Agreed. Now let's move on and talk. Uh, we've talked planes, we've talked crashes, and all that kind of stuff. Let's get on to something that that I, I consider you to be an expert because you have your own uh, trailer manufacturing business called uh, Fort Trailers down here in uh, Victoria in Australia. Uh, but no doubt you can build for anyone around Australia, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah. What I wanted to do is I wanted to. We all know that at some point in time, if you get into large scale models you're going to need some way of transporting them to the field. And a, a, a trailer that you hitch up to the back of your car makes the most sense, of course. You know, we have seen people try to strap giant-sized planes on the roof of the car and all that kind of stuff, but, <laughs> but we all know that, that, you know, when it starts to rain, it's not a good good idea. And then you got some people that try to jam things in the back of station wagons, but they fill, fill up really quickly. And models nowadays have got bigger and bigger, so we're seeing more and more trailers out at the field. Now... Um, having you on, we're going to sort of a bit of a deep dive into dive into trails and give people some sort of information to to be mindful of. And I want you to share some of that sort of insight as to what what you do when it comes to to building trailers. But the first thing is, if someone is going to has made the decision that they need to get a trailer, right? What is the, what are some of the things that that you recommend they're mindful of? Like, where does that journey start once you've decided? You, you need a trailer to transport your models. Okay, well, my largest trailer, I've got, I've got three different models. So I've got the compact model, 
which is uh, 2350 long, 1500 wide, 1355 internal height. Uh, so that's sort of like the, the yeah that's sorry that's in millimeters um if you want me to use a different um nah use millimeters uh, we can... yeah no worries <laughs> that's easier for me yeah uh yeah so that's sort of our starting uh trailer um then the next one is the standard so that's almost 3.2 meters long and same width same height so you get your 1500 wide, 1355 internal height. And then we've got the large RC trailer. Uh, so that's the 3200 long, two metres wide, 1355 high. Now, that will fit pretty much every model. Um, unless you get the odd one where it's, you know, over three metres long. Yeah, then really pointy noses and things. Yeah, then we, uh, then we just like they'll, they'll say, "Oh, my model's this long. Can you build a trailer that long?" Yep, no worries. But we try and keep it in within the three point six meters, just because that's the biggest sheet we can get without putting a join in. Yeah, that's see, that's just, an important. One. So, so what we're really the the, well, the first part of the process is looking at size, um, and do you find that? Um, when it comes to selecting size of your model trailer, you're finding that people are sort of probably going too small, or you know, should be should be starting off with a larger trailer trailer to start off with, or you know, what's your recommendations around around sizing? Because like that small one that you've got is pretty small. You'll be able to put some sort of average size models in, um, but once you start getting to hundred cc aerobatic planes or some big scale planes or some big jets, you're going to outgrow it pretty quickly. Where That's what's right. your recommendation as far as um, sizing when looking at a model? Uh, sorry, a trailer. Oh, look, um, for people that have been in the hobby for a long time, like the older people, they don't really. It, it's very rare that they're going to get a a model that's, you know, uh, over hundred cc. So, a lot of them are just happy with, you know, the. Um, you know, like their cubs or whatnot. Uh, so that's a perfect trailer for them. It fits in a garage nicely. It's they're compact. They're, you can store them easily. Uh, for someone, you know, doing iMac or you know jets, then I'd recommend just going straight to the large one. Yeah, my philosophy always is you can never have too much space because. You know what happens when you when there's space, you find something to fill it with. And uh, that's I, right. My my trailer is around two hundred mils wide. Oh, sorry, two meters. So it's two meters wide. Two meters wide. Yep. And it's about internally three point five, I think three point five long. Yep. And then whatever the normal height is of the panel height or whatever, but I can fit. Is just to give people an understanding with that that size. So it's a large, what you'd consider as a large trailer. I can yes. fit two hundred cc's side by side with stabs on underneath, and I've got a, an upper shelf as well. And that upper shelf, I can fit four thirty cc's across ways. Okay. Right now, most people are putting their models in sort of front to back, but 
um, I worked out that I could fit more models when I put them across because in my instance, my trailer is my storage shed. I've got a single car garage. The planes have to go in the trailer. The trailer goes into the garage. Right. Okay. Um, and so I've gone. I've gone large. Plus, I had the hundred cc. So you need need a big. You know, they take up a lot of room. And when you have two of them, they do. Yep. I went that. So that sort of gives you some sort of understanding when you get to that sort of two meter width. Um, I find that you know you do have the wheel arches. So in that instance, you've got the the, the paneling all the way to the uh, external sort of side of the wheels. So, but yes. the extra width I, I find gives you a lot of extra room because our models. The other thing we've got with our models, not only they're long, but they're wide as well, especially with the stabs and stuff. Um, yes, that's right. Um, yeah, like especially uh, one of my models, it's it's pretty fat. Um, I've got the Skymaster F14, so that would take up the whole entire space of pretty much the whole entire space of. Um, you know, the standard size trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think making that decision as to whether you want to take planes out of your trailer or keep them in there when you go to the field is, is a big decision and it all depends on the space that you've got really at home. Like in my instance, when I go to the field, I'm taking six aeroplanes with me at a time. <laughs> Not that I'm flying them. It's just that I can't be bothered pulling them out because if I pull them out, I've got to put yeah. them somewhere else and in and out and in and out. Um, that's and, right and yeah they've, they've been pretty secure um in there as well but um okay so that sort of gives us a bit of bit of a space size and and a few things to consider if you're um building a trailer so let's talk about uh the the materials that you use to build these trailers right because over the years there's been subtle changes especially in the way that we do cladding and stuff like that but what what are your options when it comes to you know obviously using a steel steel frame Still chassis. Yep. So it's tubular frame. Yep. Yeah. And so you're you've also obviously got plans and know know how to build a chassis for yep. a model trailer because no doubt it's similar to a motorbike trailer and all that kind of stuff. Just maybe some different dimensions. What's the important thing to look for when it comes to a chassis? Okay. Uh, well, our our RC trailer. Well, the uh, large RC trailer is based off the chassis of the motorbike trailer that we do. And the standard RC trailer is based off the standard go-kart trailer that we do, and same with the compact. So, um, yeah, basically same chassis, same walls. The only difference is uh, you've got the fixed roof for the RC trailers and the lift-up tailgate, and that seems to be most people's preferences. Uh, for me, I like the pop-up roof and the drop-down tailgate. I can wheel the plane straight, uh, straight up the ramp into the trailer if it's in an aerobat. Uh, and I can walk in the trailer. I've got the head height, but also I can close it all up. So it's not a massive trailer that you're towing around. It's still compact, but it just opens up, gives you all the room. Um, now we use a we use a tubular frame. Uh, they, they come galvanized. The steel comes galvanized, and uh, so we cut it up, weld it, and you know we etch prime and paint the welds. That's the only thing that isn't galvanized. Then we but see well, that's a that's an important um, thing because I think there's a lot of people that that might be handy enough to build their own trailers, but um, you know, are they are they being mindful of sort of the longevity of the trailer? You know how many times we see those rusted out trailers? 
when you've got something that's galvanised and you, there's that thought that's gone into it, in, you know, the, how, how you treat the world and all that kind of stuff, yeah. then you know it's going to last a lot longer, aren't you? Oh, that's right. And uh, a, lot, a lot of the older style trailers, like the home-built trailers, ones that were, you know, done 20, 30 years ago, a lot of them have steel floors. Uh, they're all they're either buckled or rusted out. So we use a form ply timber flooring. Uh, it's laminated both sides. You, it's 17 mil. Uh, it's used for form work, so it's nice and strong. It's sturdy, holds its shape. It's insulated. You won't have problems with rust or anything like that, and it's actually a little bit lighter. So and that'd be yeah, easy, easy to replace as well. If something went wrong. It is easy to replace. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, we glue them down. We rivet them down. It's as easy. Like if if it was to rot out, I haven't had one rot out since we've been doing them in 2007. Um, but if it was to happen, you just drill the rivets out, get under there with a hammer, just bang it up and out it comes. Uh, and the good thing about it is you can carpet it or you can, like if, you've, if you need to secure the plane, you can buy you know, some anchor points and you screw them down to the timber and that's the way you go. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, just tie downs. And, um, you know, there's there's so many different variations. And when I got my trailer built, I really started thinking about how am I going to tie all these planes down. And there's plenty of options as far as tie down points and, and they're all pretty pretty good. I've got... Uh, it's just some some standard uh, tie down points that, that get screwed through the floor, and then just you know put, strategically place them. And then on on, on the the under the the bottom level of my trailer, the, the for the two hundred cc's, I bought some of those um like tracks that you put your tie down points. You can you can move the um the the, the yeah rings you can to adjust the, them yeah. So yep. and I've got and I stole it from uh, the idea from a friend of mine that I put a one of these tracks. In the middle of each of the planes, up the um, where the uh, the undercarriage is under the undercarriage, they've got two rings, and then I use just octopus straps around the um, wrap them around the undercarriage and 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 have them sort of going you know north south in the in the trailer on each side of the the landing gear, and that that's probably really good. And then at the rear in the tail, I've got another one, and because the tail wheel sort of can then you can adjust where you want to move that tie down point depending on the length of the plane the tail wheel and all that kind of stuff and um and so far it's been um it's been rock solid but there's there's plenty of different options there but we're not got the, the what i've realized now so you know how i thought i was smart running planes across crossways yep it's really easy to tie down the front one because i can get in through a front door and it's really easy to tie down the back one back, but the yep. two middle ones are a nightmare to try to reach around to tie them down because we have this problem with our planes that you have to secure them off in their tail drag because you've got to secure the tail and the front. And that's a big problem because I'll end up slapping around in the trailer. And so it is a little bit awkward and involves a bit of climbing around to get in in that setup that I've got in um, you know with the, with a top and bottom level. You, sounds like your trailer, you don't have a shelf. You've just got straight floor and you can walk straight in with nice ease of access oh look for the setup that you've got what i would recommend is a side lift up door so the side of the trailer will open up and you've got full access to the front you can have on both sides see and front and rear the entire plane's down it's just so much easier than trying to reach over and you know try and tie the 
front and the back of the plane down. Yeah. Um, I made a mistake. I should have. I've got one side side door, but I should have put one on the yep. other side, and that would have been that would have been easy. That was the mistake I made with my last trailer. I I think I rushed it a little bit. I was just too eager to, you know, just finish it off and. Oh, I don't. I won't need that side door. But where I parked it in my carport, um, that left-hand side door goes right up against the fence. Yeah, and then say. I've got this all this access on the right side. Shit, I should have put that. Yeah, door on the in. other side. That, yeah, that's actually one of my questions about about doors because I like your idea of like the, the motorbike style trailer with the roof goes up and um. You know, I've seen that in in race car trailers as well. I used, I used to have a, a, yep. a an open wheeler race car and had a had a trailer made up for it as well, which was even larger again. Okay. Um, yep. And I suppose the difference between two trailers is the race car trailer weighed a lot, and the my my current trailer is a fraction of the weight. And I think just different materials we use it made it a bit lighter. But um, but yeah, that ease of access is so important. What what are you seeing as the most common sort of door configuration for RC planes? Oh, look, the most popular thing that I've done is, um, I guess it all depends on how much money you want to spend as well. A lot of people don't want to spend too much money, so they're just going for my standard models as they are. Um, but the side opening where you've got pretty much that whole side wall with like it just pops up on struts. And even if you don't need it, it's still good to have there. Um, like you can, if, if something's moved while you're driving, you can reach in, grab it. Uh, it's just easier to tie your models down. If you need to check something, just reach in there. And, yeah. So that's been pretty popular. Uh, it's sort of been half and half. So, that that custom uh, side door, or just keeping them standard. Yeah, you know, you know what I like about your trailers. This is one of my tips. After, you know, you learn a lot once you've owned trailers, don't you? you go, yes. Oh, next time, and, you know, and to all those people that are sort of trying to get the cheapest trailer, I'm telling you now, if you skimp and you decide, oh, I don't need that extra door, don't do what I did and go. No, I only need one. Um, one door on the side of the trailer, like one yep. fold-up side. <laughs> I should have got the other one. I should have got the other side because it would have transformed the way that I use the trailer and and, right. and how I can tie things down and whatever. And yeah, it would have probably cost me a little bit of extra. It might have cost me an extra thousand bucks to try to have that um, that door. But it was probably a thousand dollars well spent in the long run. And if you're going to invest in oh, the trailer, do it right from the start. How many times have you had people come back and have to have, to, have had to modify their trailer because now they've got a bigger model? Like Gavin Sexton. <laughs> um, yes, so I did modify the front of Gavin Sexton's trailer and also a friend of mine, Greg Escort, and he, he recently bought a Havoc as well. So um, he brought his trailer in. We had to do that same mod on his yeah. on the front of his trailer. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... When does a model that big ever pop up, though? It's very rare, but it's not. But I'll but I'll give you an example. I always went larger because there's there's some space in the front of my trailer, and we all carry fuel cans, tool kits, um, yeah. battery chargers. If you're going away somewhere, you take extra stuff, and having that extra space to just throw some things into the trailer, and even access to get in. One thing I like about your trailers is your front. So we talk about. Um, 
like uh, doors on the what are we calling them like open sides on uh, on the side of the trailer, but up at yep. that sort of bullnose kind of area of the trailer, you have quite a wide door, and I think people underestimate how having a wide door makes a massive difference to ease of access in, inside the front of that trailer. That's right. And yep. Yep. my one, I would like, would have liked to have been thinking, oh, I hit my head on it, I bash my elbows on it every single time. It's like you've got to contort <laughs> your body to get into the trailer. But yours is, what? what is the, the average width of your doors, like that, that access uh, door at the front? Yeah, so I'll try and work out the actual opening itself, not not the door as such. Yeah. So um, it's about 650 wide, the opening. Yeah. Which is heaps. Yeah, I reckon mine's probably 550 or 500. And then okay. that means that's <laughs> you've got to sort of – I do this like um, to tie down the front of my, my planes, my 100cc, as I, I go head first in and sort of on my belly and I'm leaning in and all that kind of stuff. Whereas <laughs> a bit more width would be, especially as I get older and less mobile, it's not as good. So yep. so mandatory you've got to have a front door, nice big wide front door. Uh, mandatory to have at least one side door on the side of the trailer. If you want the duck's yep. guts, put them on both sides. Uh, we know it's an extra expense, but learn from us. We've both made the yes. mistake, Marco. If we had the door on the other side, <laughs> and it'd be I great. Build them. Yeah, and, yeah, Marco builds them. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine that he has the same kind of trailer as mine. And I'll be honest, Marco, Marco didn't build my trailer because I didn't know Marco when I bought it many, many years ago. But, uh, <laughs> but the. A friend of mine's got the same trailer as mine, and he's got um, – this is another interesting one. He, he's he got a side door, and then on the other side he has another door, but he has a recessed in tool kind of cabinetry – cabinet kind of thing. So it's a sunken in uh, yep. sort of cupboard in a, in a kind of way with a big door. And he said, oh, it's great. You can put all your tools there. I've never seen him open it. In all my time that I've known him, I've never seen him okay. open it. Have you ever been asked for that where on one side you sort of inset a bit of a tool kind of area? Uh, yes, it's very common with the go-kart trailers. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't had that with an RC trailer, um, just the just the go-kart trailers. It's a very popular model. Uh, I don't enjoy doing them because it, it is a fair bit of work in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I found I, I didn't go for that option because I needed space. My main criteria was space. And if you want space, you can't go and have that kind of cabinet stuff. And my theory was if I really needed to go and grab that many tools, I've done some serious damage and I'm not going to fix it at the field anyway. I'm going to take it home. So I don't need to carry yep. carry all that space. And it literally will take away a fair chunk of your, your width of the trailer and restrict yep. what you can put in. Um into that trailer, so I, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. So Marco and I don't yeah. recommend putting those cupboards in. If you're into go karting, I used to race. I had a go kart. I forgot about my go kart trailer. It was. It cost <laughs> me. I bought it brand new. It cost me about three thousand dollars, and it was a piece of rubbish. It was the heaviest trailer you've ever felt in your life, and I just I didn't like towing it. It rattled. Now speaking of yep. rattling, this brings me to the next point. My original sort of my first two trailers, they were clad with uh, I think they call it sign writing sheets. Oh, sign yeah, sign writers. Um, yeah. yeah, sign white or sign writers white. Yeah, yeah something, something like, like that. that. Right? Yeah, and so yeah. now we've moved to it's a Luca Bond, isn't it? Or what are you what are you cladding um, trailers in? 
Yeah, so it, I mean, it's it's not a Luca Bond. It is this. It's exactly Similar the same. Thing. It's identical. Yeah, yeah, it's just another brand. So um, yeah, they come color coded, both sides. Uh, pretty much any color you like, really. They even come textured. Yeah. So so what we're talking yeah. about is it's an aluminium sandwich, isn't it? So it's got like that's a, right a plasticky interior or something between two sheets yeah. of aluminium. And and from my perspective, having owned a, 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 you know a trailer now with that versus that sign rider is just sheet metal, basically, is that it is so much quieter. It looks so much cleaner and it just, and it's, it's, it can you use less bracing as a result of using that, that, um, you know, composite, you know, aluminum composite kind of thing? Well, we used to use rivets on the, uh, on the old stuff, the color bond stuff. So everywhere there was an upright, there was rivets, every 200 mil would put rivets. Otherwise, it'll just, it was that flexible, it'll just, you know, the glue would flex that much, it'll just pop off. So we had to put rivets. Um, with the composite panel, uh, we don't use glue anymore. We use like a double-sided tape, uh, German-made stuff. So it's got a little bit of flex, but you stick the panel on and it's on. Try and pull it off, you, you literally tear the panels in, into pieces. It just doesn't come off. Um, yeah, look, it's less messy at, at last. It's a lot lighter. Doesn't have that tinny sound, and and it it holds its shape. It just looks good. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how we, we look at these trailers now. They look so much better than what they used to because of oh. of this this sheeting method. It is just so much better. Yeah, just clean lines. You know, like you said, you're not seeing rivet lines and and all that kind of stuff. It's just nice, nice and clean and. Um, you know, but of course you've got to work to a sheet size because you try not to have those um those joins, don't the you? The joints, yeah. Yeah. So like the sheet sizes come uh, you know, twenty four hundred by twelve hundred is your smallest sheet size, then you got fifteen hundred by three meters, and then you got twelve hundred by thirty six hundred. Yeah. Uh, so they're the common sizes I use. Uh, very rarely we go bigger than that. But then you're limited to colours once you go the extra big panels. What about roof? Because on the an interesting thing with my trailer is I think it has a fiberglass roof. It's a bit translucent. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Like light can get through it, not fully, but I can tell yep. there's sun. You know, when the sun's out, that it sort of and it, it is. It's not as rigid as uh, the, the 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 sides. What would yep. that be, and and what are you using? It does sound like it's a fiberglass sheet. Um, just a, it's just a different product. It's probably to keep the weight down. But I use the same panels as what I use on the walls. Yeah. I use those on the roof. They're like for uh, twelve hundred by twenty four hundred. They're about eleven kilos, yeah. and the the sheets like once we cut them up, and they're not. They're probably about eight or nine kilos. So the roof is only there really to stop the walls from caving in and to support the sheets. That's about it. Yeah. And the um, we're sort of talking about weight, and yep. RC planes are an interesting thing in that they're big, but they don't weigh a lot really. No, um, they don't. Now, and that means when it comes to building a trailer, um. Yes, we always try to make our trailers as light as possible. Um, yep. But 
there are different considerations that say if you're carrying go-karts or motorbikes or things like that that weigh, weigh a lot more when it comes yep. to running gear and things like, like suspension brakes and all that kind of stuff. What When it comes to suspension and brakes for an RC plane trailer, what do you recommend? Because I know that you can overspring them and then it's pointless exercise, the thing bounces around. But um, what's yep. your recommendation? What are you doing? Okay, so I'll... I use a, like for the small trailers, I use a three leaf just because they don't weigh anything. Like the the compact trailer weighs 300 kilos. The standard RC trailer, it's just a little bit longer. They're about 350 kilos. So, you know, I'll ask the customer, do you want three leaf or four leaf? Do you want to, because if you go too soft, it's going to be bouncy. Uh, If you go too hard, it's just going to be really rigid. So, yeah, we're trying, like, with the little bit larger trailers, we go to four-leaf. Um, the large RC trailer, they're under 400 kilos, just under 400 kilos. So there's not still not much weight there that you're carrying. Um, I think brakes are a waste of time and money, to be honest, because like, what's the most weight you would have in your trailer, do you think? Oh, look, it'd be, as far as models and stuff like that, you know, I'd have 5, 10, 15, 20, so like 25, 25 kilos on the top. And under, That's right. underneath, <laughs> I've probably got, let's just say 15 kilos, rounded up to 15 each, which is a bit under, yep. under that, but let's say 30. So, look, we're talking about 55 yep. kilos of models. I'm probably like carrying some fuel and stuff like that. Uh, all in all, I've probably got no more than 70 kilos worth of stuff sitting in my trailer. Well, that's right. And like to... A trailer that weighs about 380 kilos and without brakes you can tow up to 750 kilos there's no way you can you're going to go to that 750 kilos with an rc trailer so my opinion um like they pull up really well no issues uh i just think brakes are a waste of time and money but some people just like to have that for the you know extra security and that's fair enough. I'm happy to do it. But yeah. You know, as interesting, when I got my trailer built, I always thought if I want to sell it, say yep. you know, for some reason I'm sick of aero modelling, I can't stand the people and I'm fed up with everything and I just want to go <laughs> and get on my motorbike and ride it instead, that yep. I built my trailer to go-kart specification so that um, I could sell it to go-karters. And, and having go-kart race myself, I know that you have to have a trailer. Like I did start. Oh, yeah. I started out putting my go-kart in the back of my dad's Commodore station wagon, which back in the day, the, oh, wow. the Commodores were big. There was an era where they were a bit wider and less plastic work inside, things I could put the, put the yep. seats down and get this go-kart in, but it was a bit of a pain in the butt to do it. But, um, oh, definitely. But um, yeah, so I, mine has I have got brakes. I think for that reason that it is planned for the future just in case. But I agree, yep. I don't need the brakes at all. I got a TO, uh, not TO, I got a Volkswagen Amarok um, Ute, and it doesn't need the assistance of. I don't even, no. I don't reckon the brakes ever get used <laughs> um, in the trailer. I put the handbrake on to stop it from rolling, and that's about it. But uh, but yep. you just extra expense, extra weight that you you probably potentially don't need for just a an RC trailer. Let's talk about wheels and tyres because yep. I've got a theory that um, on that as well, but I just want to get your theory first. What do you recommend when it comes to tyres and wheels for your RC trailer? 
Oh, look, I, I usually just fit brand new uh, Sunraiser wheels with white truck tyres. They're rated at 950 kilos each. Um, that's what go. That's what's standard on my trailers, unless you want to go like a, something a bit nicer. You go an alloy wheel, which we do a couple of options there. Um, but basically, the, like we just try and stick to the same rim size, same stud pattern, same tire size. It just we're trying to keep it simple, but also have them looking good as well. Have them presentable. Yeah. I think I think you're right with with your yep. your theory. Keep keep it simple, guys. You don't want to go yep. and overcompensate on your on your wheels and tires. The have a good uh, set of tires can handle the weight of the trail and that kind of stuff. And when it comes to rims, oh, that's right. I've got these bling bling, low profile, stupid tires. Which every time I look at them, I think I just if I just had a normal <laughs> set of tires, the thing would probably be you know ride over bumps. This, this is the other thing. Yeah. More often than not, when we go to a flying field, we actually end up on a dirt road. Right? Yes. Like, like I've never been to a flying field where there's an asphalted road all the way to the pit area. It's always you get on the highway and then you've got to turn off and for a kilometre you've got to drive down the dirt road and then you've got to turn left and you go down this 400-metre driveway. You know, if you go to Echuca, you end up on the dirt road. You know, if you go yep. to Shepparton, you end up on the dirt road. Even the Ballerine Model Aircraft Club that I'm a member of, you've got to go down there and packing them, you've got to go down the dirt road. Yeah, so, same with my field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so having something with low-profile tyres, right, which look it looks cool, but yeah. um, I'm like, <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> the, every time I hit the dirt, I go, oh, here we go with this damn. Hopefully, I haven't broken anything in the trailer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have yeah. a bit more profile on the side of the tyres rather than, you know, it's a trailer. It's there for transporting stuff. And I know yeah. people like to overcompensate and have the flashiest trailer out there. But if you want it flashy, make it functional as well. Don't put low profile tyres right. in your. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, what's the diameter of your tyres? Is it a 15 inch rim you're using or? Uh, it's a 14-inch rim, yeah. and they're a 185 wide tire. Yep. So yeah, it's a pretty chunky tire, but it still looks good. It, it looks right. Yeah, I'm looking photos now. There is nothing wrong with the look of those wheels that 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 tire no. wheel package at all. Um, you know, and you know what? I love the old Sunraisers too. I used to have. I had them on my yeah. race car trailer, and they're just a no fuss kind of rim. That that's actually right. Look, that's... They look all right. I don't. I don't mind the yeah. look of them at all. Oh look, they're not amazing, but they don't look shit either. They, yeah, they yeah. present well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay, so let me. I'm going down my list here to so see. We're talking about brakes. Um, we've talked about you know different configurations and that kind of stuff, which is interesting. Your thoughts on that pop pop down back, pop pop up top and uh, uh, pull down sort of tail. Um, yep. I find that some trailers I had my go kart trailer. That I had the first trailer that I owned had a pull up. Um, rear sort of tail and it weighed a ton it was so heavy they couldn't put gas struts on the thing because the gas struts oh, wouldn't geez. hold it up it was just i don't know how how they built that thing but anyway <laughs> it was it was it was like a workout just to get it up so i could pull the trailer down and i think from memory i had like a big stick that i'd just put under one corner of the door but now yeah. then i had a pull down I had a pull down for my race car, and that was a very, very heavy door as well. And I had a, okay. I had a winch, an electric winch, to winch it down. It was that heavy, but oh right, the okay. winch, the winch, it was like a, like a, it was connected to the the roof, I think from yeah, or yes, I think it was in the roof. Yeah, it's pretty common. 
Yep. Or, no, it was from one side or something like that. I can't remember. It was pulling up on one side and it pulled up um, to get it up, but it was so slow to pull up that I'd just get a few mates and go, come on, let's just lift it up and go bang. And, <laughs> and so it didn't use that. That'll take time. a while. And yep. then you need a battery set up and all that kind of stuff. And then my latest trailer, of course, is, is the Dream, which is, you know, um, extremely light on the gas struts holds itself up and um and i love that because it's it acts like a veranda as well you can stay, stay yes. get out of the weather out of the sun or something and just hide underneath um uh underneath as well now, actually that's what i was going to say yep. um keeping dust and rain out um i've seen various different um styles of um sort of sealing uh hatches and and, and doors and things like that Yep. What do you do? Look, when earlier days, I, I played around with a few different uh, seals just from Bunnings. Um, there was a sponge one, which I thought was good at the time and until I was in a storm and I had to wire in some lights. So I just locked myself in the trailer and I'm wiring in these lights and uh, all of a sudden this water just came gushing in from the uh, side door what's going on i put a seal on it it wasn't leaking before and sure enough that sponge just absorbed all the water until the, it couldn't absorb anymore and it's the winds just pushed it in like all right um that doesn't work so i went for a um it's like a rubber seal it's it's a self-adhesive one um it's used for uh you know indoor you know indoor outdoor uh for your house uh, yeah, it kind of looks like an eyelet, so it sticks up a little bit, and it and it compresses. So I tried that, and I just got the I got the hose on it, and just sat there for about ten minutes, just putting around the door. And um, sure enough, like I entered through the back, just so the water wouldn't splash in when I opened the door. And sure enough, it fixed the issue. But um, yeah, like that's what I would recommend using. It's it's about it's, I think it's under ten dollars from Bunnings, and it just sticks to you know you can stick it to the door or stick it to the um, door frame, and it works really well. Yeah, yeah. Well, but my trailer, just comparing notes, is there's pros and cons of this. All my doors and everything are externally sealed, like a semi-trailer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's a great sort of. It's almost too good because it's very hard to open the doors sometimes. Yes, like it almost creates like, a suction. Yes, yep. you get like an airlock kind of thing and it is so hard to open them that sometimes you'll see me sitting there fighting with this thing and once you crack the seal, it's okay. And I think I think part of the challenge is they almost you almost need to lubricate the seals a bit, but the problem is a mate of yes. mine once sprayed um, silicon spray on them, and it helped, but then it left all these black marks that he couldn't get off um, the trailer. It looked terrible. I've heard of people yep. saying beeswax or something like that might help lubricate it, but it's extremely waterproof and dustproof. But oh my god, it's painful. I I I I built a toy hauler when I was uh, into the bikes. Yeah. And I used it on the um, PA door, yeah. And geez, it was a nightmare. Like I, you know, I was all excited. I finished the trailer, I shut the door. I sat in there, watched something on the telly. I installed in there in the bed and trying to get out. I couldn't get out. <laughs> I, was, I was 
kicking the door. I just wouldn't open. I had to climb through the window and actually drill out the rivets for the hinges. I had to drill the hinges out and then pop the door off and like, nah, this isn't going to work. And um, that was my first and last time I used it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I hated it. The, what, what I actually do with my doors is in the doorway, I use some angle line, which is also galvanized and I cut it in a way it's like a picture frame. So that sits on the inside of the opening where the door will actually close up against it. So that's where you can put that rubber seal on that angle and it'll just seal. You don't have that issue with, you know, the, the that what jam. you've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe try Vaseline on the, on that's the rubbers. That's a good point. Yeah, I could do that. I'll, yeah. I'll do that. I'll actually, you know, I did that. You know how when you, sometimes you've got to put um, those um, sort of hinges in? Like the robot style hinges, and and they say put Vaseline on the hinge before you glue them, so you don't the glue doesn't stick. So yep. every time I have to do them, I go I can't find the Vaseline. Go and buy more Vaseline. <laughs> go and put it on, and, and then, then find the other, the other <laughs> then find the other one. So I've got tubs of these Vaseline sitting everywhere. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. maybe maybe I'm gonna lube up my my, my seals. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, <It> does. <laughs> what about, uh, I know, here's another one that we need to talk about, which is door latches and things like that. That, you know, I'm a big fan of having lockable latches. What are you doing? Yep. Um, I'm using a door handle, which is called a flush lock. So when you cl- when you close the door, you push on it, it, it locks flush. Um, there's like a little tab on there. It's got like little dots on it. Um, you know, like like you would see on a scale plane where you got the rivets. So yeah, you just push on that, the lock flicks open, and um, yeah, in you go. Uh, That's a good. Um, I really like that. My ones. Yeah, are, they look good. My one of those twist lock kind of thing where you got to twist and yep. whatever. That can be a pain in the butt as well. So I, I, I like. Yeah. I actually like the ones that you've got. Um, I just think they're harder to grab. Uh, if someone wanted to break in, they're just you know, there's nothing to grab onto. Yeah. If it's locked, uh, whereas the T handles, I've actually broken them, pulling on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. See, we. Um, this is the thing. If if you're gonna go out there and build a trailer, you can learn from other people. You learn from our mistakes, and it, it's one of those things with a trailer. If you haven't got experience with trailers. Um, it's these little little things that make the difference, isn't it? Like we can compare latches and I can tell you why my latches aren't that good as we'll say what I can look at your latches and go, that's a better solution than mine because yep. with mine you've got to do this. And, oh, look at the front door. Your front door is so much better, bigger than mine. I wish I had a bigger front door and, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that you can really learn from, from other people. So, you know, if you're going to build a trailer, compare notes and I'm going to reiterate this. Again, learn from people's mistakes. Don't skimp. Don't sit in there and try to save a thousand bucks for something that you're going to down the track go, I wish I had the door. I wish I had this. I wish I made this longer and whatever because you'll end up just being disappointed. Save up for an extra few months or whatever and then go out and buy the trailer. And we know, like, you know I, I had some friends that were in the trailer game and um, the business ended up folding. But and they would say to me, there's not, you know, everyone's trying to get 
go for the cheapest, cheapest option all the time. You know, the materials, your raw material costs alone are really expensive in, in building these trailers. So if you go and get a tra- yeah. quote from Marco, understand that at least half the price is going to be buying all the material that is needed to actually build the trailer. It's not as simple as what, yes. what people can think. When it comes to building a trailer, we know that um, there are some people who try to build them themselves and, and some of them do a reasonable yep. job, but it takes a long, long time. If someone, does, if yeah. someone came to you and said, we want a trailer from you, what's your roughly lead time to, to build a trailer? At the moment, you're looking at about five months. Five months? Business yep. is that good? <laughs> it is. It's just been ridiculous since, actually, since the, um, the pandemic started. Um, it's just been booming. It's really? been really, really good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had time to, like, even build my own trailer. I sold my trailer um, December last year, and I didn't have time to build myself another one. So I went and got a van just to make do. I thought, oh no, I'll, I'll build one like when it quiets down in, you know, July, August. Not no. going to happen. No, it's just getting busier and busier. What's the most common trailer that you're building? Uh, this year it's been ooh, neck and neck RC trailers with motorbike trailers. We'll see the motorbike game. I bought a brand new KDM last year. And after I bought mine, everything just went crazy with COVID and yep. the bike sales went through the roof. I, was, I did some work with Honda Motorcycles earlier in the year, and they said that um, making sales is not our problem, getting stock is. There was just such a big demand. Yes. And, you know, how are you going to – even to motocross and stuff like that, how are you going to get your bike around? You know, okay, if you've got a ute and whatever, but I'll tell you what, trailer's a much better solution. But, yeah, and have you found that, um, you know, your name has really spread, especially down here in Victoria? I know so many people have bought trailers off you, model trailers. Have you found that, yep. you know, once you got involved with that RC scene that, you know, business started to come your way? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, oh, I think I made a lot of sales out of Stevie Malkman's trailer. <laughs> and it's a great bloke. Also- Stevie's been on the podcast. He's a great bloke. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, oh, he's hilarious. Um, and credit to him, like he's he's taught me so much, uh, as as well as a lot of other guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even Mark Stewart, he's He's just been like he's stu- he's stuck with me right from day one. Like he, Mark's been on the podcast as well, and he's just yeah. he's just one of those the nicest guy you can meet kind of guy. He's the guy that you want him on your team because he's not going to yell at you. He's going to calmly no. do stuff right just and and show you how to do stuff. And he's the guy that you want as your wingman. Would you yeah, call him yeah, the exactly. wingman? Because he is the perfect wingman. He's not going to jump up and down. He's just going to sit there and support you in a calm way. He's another yep. guy. We like Mark. Like yeah, him. like even when I've done like silly stuff and I don't even realise I'm doing it, he's just like, uh, okay, um, just calm down, Marco. You know, do this, do that. And just like very calmly, he's just, he just he brings my nerves down. Um, which is the opposite which, to we Italians that will be emotional, start waving <laughs> our hands around. That's right. right? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? I know that, our, that, the natural reaction. Oh, and I'm, I'm confused because I've got Greek and Italian in me. So my first reaction is start yelling and waving my hands. You know. Yep. That's what we do. That's it. It's in our nature. Yeah. Oh well. Now you, you mentioned yeah. you want to build yourself a trailer. So one of the questions I've got here is if you 
if you, you know, had an unlimited budget and you wanted to build a trailer, uh, you know, for, for the hobby, what would what would you build? Um, I don't know if you saw, I posted a trailer on Facebook last week. It was a, it was a motorbike trailer, um, slightly customised. I designed it to look a bit more like a, um, you know, those off-road caravans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just at the front where it, you know, comes up. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's, it's like more, about 700 it's, mil. It's more then square. It's, so it's square with a, a slant. It's a black one with a slant. That's right, front. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see it. So then it pitches up a little bit, then it pitches up again, yeah. then it goes to the roof. you got the guards, like you these chunky guards, they stick out 30 mil on the sides. They're just shaped really nicely. Like the, the customer wanted to powder coat the uh, checker plate. So what I did was I fitted it all up, then gave it to him. He went and got a powder coat. I stuck it on. The thing just looked unreal. Yeah, it is um, great. That would probably be the best, the best looking trailer I've built so far. But I... Uh, I would probably go something like that. It's not huge. Wait, what are the dimensions of this trailer? Just give people sort of an understanding. Yes, so it's thirty six hundred long. Yeah. Two meters wide, and then the standard thirteen fifty five high. Yeah. And total total length route. though. Your total yeah. Length uh, is what? Total length would have been four meters, four and a half. Four and a half meters. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a pretty long drawbar on the on the. Uh, yeah, the that's right. Yep. And what's that for? That's for motorbikes. That's right. Yeah. So, would you, if you built the trailer like this for the hobby, would you have a pop-up roof again? Oh yeah, for me, yeah, definitely. And the big yep. question: How many doors are you going to put on it? Um, I'd probably put. I'd, I'd have one either side, definitely, and I'd probably do opening up either side, or definitely on the left side. Yep, I'd go opening up either side. Yep. Um, carpet. Carpet in it. Oh, I used to be like I was all about the carpet, but I've recently started building a little camper, and I've put um, what's it called, the hybrid floating floors. Oh, and it just looks so good. Really? Yeah. So I'd be torn because the reason why I like the carpet, yeah, it looks good. Uh, it looks clean. Um, but I also like to 3D print um, like wheel chocks. Oh, yeah. And stick a bit of Velcro on the bottom of it and just stick it to the carpet. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, rather than, you know, screwing things to the floor. and Yeah, so that carpet would be more practical, but I think the hybrid would just make it really pop. Yeah, makes mm. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Now, we know that um, one of the things that we see overseas is that we see in the US some of the best trailer setups. Like if you get online, have a look at um, you know, RC plane trailers and you see all these American sort of things, they seem massive. Um, but yes. we've got different regulations here in Australia to the US, don't we? Yes, we do, yeah. So what are they? Okay. Um they have their side access doors on the right-hand side. It doesn't really matter, but really you should have it on the left-hand side, at least one on the left-hand side because 
you pull up on the side of the road, you need to you need to get into the trailer. You want to do it off the road, not on the road. Yeah, this is in Australia because uh, so we drive the other that's side. That's in of the Australia. Road, yeah. yeah, yeah, and also they build their trailers to, uh, I think, two point six meters plus, whereas ours are constricted to two point five meters. What happens if you go over that? What's well, you can't price? register the trailer. Yeah. You just can't register it. No, like 2.5 metres is semi-width, so there's not much out there that's bigger than that. Well, that's true. I, I know of people yeah. that got burnt. They bought trailers in from overseas and then realised that they don't meet the regs. And whatever. So when you see these these trailers out in the US, just remember, they're wider than we've got. And so that's why they can fit a lot of aeroplanes and and some of the fit-outs are phenomenal, you know, sound systems and drop-down benches and, you know, really high as well Uh, and, you know, full height where you can stand up in. Um, You're talking about pretty large investment in that kind of thing as well. Speaking of investment, what what would the average cost be for for a reasonable trailer for, for RC flying? Let's say... You know, you've got those three different. So give us just ballparks because it will vary depending on a lot of different little things. But uh, yep, what should your budget? Oh, uh, look, the the starting price for the compact is five thousand. Uh, then you go up to the standard, and they're six thousand. Then you go up to the large, and they're seven thousand. Our prices have gone up a bit only because steel keeps going up every every quarter. Um, like we're seeing a jump in. Like pretty much the whole trailer is metal, so yeah, like they I think it's jumped up fifty percent since this time last year. Yeah, it's the every steel. It's, it's just, across the board. Everything's just going up yep. and up. But I'm surprised at your pricing though, because um, yeah, I should have come to Marco to get my trailer done because um, <laughs> my trailer costs more than what Marco's quoted. And um, but one one thing I found with my trailer is. It hasn't depreciated. I could probably sell it now for no. a profit. And that's the other thing. Yeah, if you buy yeah. something that's good, that's going to – and look, I look after my trailer. It is all – it looks brand new still because I always keep it spotless, always clean it, and and, and I keep it undercover, so that, that definitely helps. But um, if you look after your trailer and keep it looking great, you'll get your money back. Oh, definitely, especially this time. Uh, like there's just such a big demand for them. Uh, yeah, you sell, you sell it in five minutes. And, of course, a bit of maintenance on your trailer is always a good thing. What do you think about maintenance? Yep. You know, things like doing wheel bearings and regreasing wheel bearings and, and anything else like that. What, what do you suggest? How often? Um, look, if you know what you're doing and you use the trailer a lot, uh, the first thing I do before I hitch the trailer up is I give the wheels a bit of a shake. If it feels tight, then you're fine. Uh, Look, the, the left-hand side will wear more than the right-hand side just because where the, uh, the road actually dips down and you've got a bit of rough road on the left-hand side, it's, that's common. Um, yeah, give the wheel a bit of a shake. If, if it sounds tight, if it feels tight, then you're fine. If, if you hear a bit of a clunk, then pop the cap off, have a look in there. If it looks dry, then you probably need to replace your bearings. If it's if the grease looks good, it's non-metallic, then you probably just have to pull the split pin out. Just do the do the nut uh, the next hole over. Give it a shake, spin it, make sure it's make sure it's free spinning, not tight. 
and yeah, just put the split pin in and away you go. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, well, this wasn't meant to be a blatant plug for your trailer business, but uh, it should be because you know uh, you, you're building some. You understand model planes. You're building trailers that are suitable for the application. So yep. your web address is what is it? I had it open a minute uh, ago. What's your web address? www.fortetrailers. F O R T E trailers T R A I L E R S dot com dot A U. Correct. That's the one. So uh, give Marco a call, get on his website and give him a call and you can have a chat about your trailer needs. There's the plug out of the way. And yep. with that, let's start talking about some back into aero modeling, some model aeroplanes. Um, do you like building? It sounds like you, you, you dabbled in building early on, very long-term projects, but um, now that you're fully into, into the model planes, do you like building? Um, I wouldn't consider myself a builder, maybe more an assembler. Yeah. So I enjoy um, enjoy doing the ARFs. Probably the thing I like the least is servos and linkages, yeah. like installing it's them. Tedious. But yeah, exactly. And I, I love wiring. Um, do you? Oh, yeah, hey, that's I my do. that's my <laughs> that's my least favorite. I can't I can't do anything neatly when it comes to wires. Uh, well, I I make my own, like I buy a roll of, you know, high-tech wire or Futaba wire, the, you know, the spiral one. Yeah. And I'm, I'll put my own JR plugs on them. Uh, I'll make them to length and just like everything neat and tidy, but sometimes neat and tidy is not functional. As if something goes wrong, then... You got to pull everything out because you made it all neat. It's under all the plates. <laughs> then you got to pull all the plates out, pull the fuel system out, pull this out, pull that out, just to get to the problem. So now I try and keep it neat, but on top. And that's a good point. Or have, yeah, just you know, keep it simple, but make it look good. Like my probably my best tool is my three D printer, and. Like you just print holders and you know battery holders, uh, fuel line holders. Just keep everything nice and tidy. I, and I love it. I love people that go and buy three D printers. <laughs> I, I always say I'm not buying a three D printer because I know enough people have got three D printers on the shelf collecting dust. Yeah, and it's like you get one, you go, "What can I make? I can make a fuel line holder. Great, you can buy one yep. of those as well. It costs you nothing. It'd be quicker. And I'm going to design it up, and now I'm going to. And so the planes, you add two kilos of 3D printed parts into the model now. Like the, but surprisingly, it's very light. Like they, they weigh nothing. Um, these parts because it's not a solid part. No. Um, you just see the solid on the outside, but inside it's, you know, there's structure in there, but it's virtually solid. hollow. Yeah. But it's strong. Yeah. 3D printing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just, I just think there's going to be a lot on the second-hand market soon. I don't, I've got a. There's a friend of ours, a young kid, 
and he's just three anything that he can three D print. He can three. Oh, I three yep. printed hinges for this rabbit cage or you know guinea pig cage or something like that. Oh, and okay. Like, Why do you do that? Oh, because I can. And I've three D printed yep. an, an <laughs> airboat, and I've I put it. You know, I gave him a propeller or whatever. For me. Oh, I three D printed a, a propeller for my airboat. <laughs> you know, like great. <laughs> and and I gave him a, like a flying wing, and I said, Oh, you got to do this. I'm like three D print. Oh, go for it. You came on three D printing. <laughs> Oh look, it's it's just one of those things. Like I, I mean, I look at my model and I need something to hold this, you know, this um fuel tap or yeah. you know this battery. And I just I get on the computer, I spend a couple of hours designing, and then I'll just put the uh, SD card in the printer. Yep, go print it. And a few hours later, it's done. You just either glue it in or screw it on, and it's done. Four hours later, um, you've got your fuel line for holder. Yeah, well, I mean, it's quicker than buying something online, and you know, you got to wait a few days. <laughs> so, that, that's true. That is true. That's a good argument yeah. to tell your wife. Oh, look, I'm, I'm saving, <laughs> I'm saving us money practically because now I've got more time to go and build trailers than have to wait well, right. for my deliveries yeah. to come. Yeah, good. Exactly. Argument. Yeah, don't believe you. Uh, okay, you you still you, you know you started you came back properly in 2018, so you're sort of relatively yep. new. Still, what do you what do you hope to achieve with your aero modelling? Where do you want to get to? Um, good question. I would like to fly confidently. Uh, I don't want to do anything too crazy. I just want to, you know, fly scale. Basically, I I want to get my F fourteen up in the air and fly it like an F fourteen should be flying. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm a big fan of that. Jets need to be flown like jets, not like tiger yeah. moths. Yeah, big, big that's right. Like that. And if you've got a sport model, yeah. fly it like a sport model. And if you've got an F14, yes. fly like an F14. The F14, yes. that'd be what size is that? It's oh, geez, you got me there. Uh, I think it's a one seven and a half scale. It's it, it's not the XXL one that no. hasn't come out yet. It's the one that's that Skymaster builds. A, there's only one size, so it's twenty five fifty long and twenty six fifty uh, wingspan. And again, what, what mode is wings that? Open. What size? Uh, I've currently got a pair of P one sixty SXs. Oh, two G. Yeah, so you'll spend a fortune, Mark. I hope your wife doesn't listen to this. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> if- no, she will. Well, it's all right. You know, you're working hard for the money building trailers because it, it's a tough job. I, I, you know, I know a number of people oh, have been in the industry and it, it ain't easy work. And uh, but someone's got to do it and you're the man that's doing it. So well done. Yep. Thank you. Now, we're up to that final end of the podcast, that final question that everybody looks forward to hearing the answer. And I'm it's interested, really intrigued to see what how you'll answer this question. And that question is, what has been your favourite all-time model. And don't say mm. the glider that was hooked to the side of the trailer and lost the wing no. or whatever, because I don't think that was probably your all-time favourite. <laughs> not a lot, not many fond memories around there. No, I'm I'm actually not that into gliders. I I, I need to give it a go. Um, yeah, I just don't think I can sit there that long. <laughs> a lot of people say that. Um, Get a competition glider where yeah. you fly for ten minutes. 10 minutes is yeah, good. I, I reckon 10 minutes is max for me. Um, my favourite model would probably would have have to have been that L39 I had. Yeah. That was my all-time favourite model. Um, one, it had the presence. Two, it flew really well. 
and I enjoyed, uh, like I, I spent a year, you know, fitting it out, programming it. Even though it was built ready to fly when I got it minus the turbine, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, customise it, you know, put my, um, uh, what do you call it? Touch. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's call it touch, yeah. It's, it's funny when we buy those secondhand models how, you know, we do have this urge to, just go through things like i bought my 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 plane ready to fly my jet and you know, i changed some servos and you know we had to change all the receiver system and all that kind of stuff and put some telemetry on it and and in doing so i actually learned a lot about the plane you know when you've got to go and change the oh, servos right. and all that kind of stuff you've got to pull the tail out and all that kind of stuff is how do you get the tail off the off the damn plane because yeah you know, it was like okay where does it how do you get the uh, how do you get the rudder off this thing? <laughs> anyway, I finally worked <laughs> it out. There's all these hidden bolts and you know thrust yes. tubes pulled out and you know yep. things like that. But we finally got there in the end. Finally got there in the yeah, end. yeah. I mean, it was like with that model as well. I learnt a lot. It was the first time I used a um, uh, a uh, smooth flight as well. So oh, I learnt yeah. how to program that. And I spent I spent months on it, just trying different things, going through the sequencer and um that was that is a fantastic gyro i would recommend to anyone um it just flies so smooth um and easy to use well the the good thing with that system is it's sort of a a bit different i think the way i I had i had um brendan gel on on the um on the podcast talking about it yeah and it's sort of like, in a way, what's a way of putting it? Sort of minimizes its input. It, it just, it's, it's, it's sort of working on the fly to work out what need, what it needs to do. Um, yes. And so that's where that smoothness sort of comes comes into it. But um, yeah, ROP L thirty nine big. I heard uh, someone said said to me that um, <laughs> you plonked it in. I'm like, oh, not that because. We know that yeah. Paul McCarthy's got a great L thirty nine, the big, big, big one, which is a yeah. phenomenal model to see, and, and I love Same that. Same scheme, and, yep. and and I'll tell you, I'll be honest, that L thirty nine and that scheme photographs so well. Like when I've had my yep. big lens out there <laughs> shooting photographs, it's, actually, I've got to find some, put some up on the Instagram uh, of the of Paul McCarthy's L thirty nine. I've got, I've already had a yep. few, but um, but yeah, yours was a good one as well. Oh well, look, we live and learn, and you can always oh, get another right. one. Exactly. Yeah, I just have to save up for a little bit longer, but there's definitely one on the horizon. So, well, look, anybody out there, right. anybody that needs a trailer, no matter where you are in Australia, if you want a good trailer, go to Marco, get onto uh, fortetrailers.com.au and uh, help him. Just get him to build your trailer <laughs> so he can build up the funds to buy another L39. It's his favorite model. It's like a GoFundMe account, but in return you yep. get a trailer. Right? So <laughs> I'm it. trying to help you out here, and this is not a paid endorsement. I haven't, no money has changed hands. I just think Marco's a good guy, and uh, anybody that's building trailers and understands trailers for the hobby, they're the people to go to because not everybody will quite get it. But Marco speaks the same language as you. So I'm glad you joined us, Marco. It's been a pleasure having a chat with you. Look forward to getting out and having a fly with you once again. At some point in time, we will be at the field together. And yeah, definitely. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, just send me a message about, uh, you know, if you want to get in touch with Marco, I can put you in contact. 
visit the flatoutrc.com.au website and we can put you in contact. Marco, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Andy. Cheers. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. That was episode 84. We're powering along. We really want to get to 100. 100 is going to be a big, a big affair, I believe, because I've got this goal in my mind to get to number 100 uh, with the weekly podcast. Got uh, some more guests coming up, which is good. A few more lined up. Uh, so they will be coming. We'll probably normally I'll take January off uh, just to clear my head, organise myself, line up some more guests, and that kind of thing. So. I'll run all the way up to Christmas, and then from Christmas onwards, there'll be a break. But there's still plenty of podcast episodes to listen to. You know, with by then we'll have, I don't know, 88 at least podcasts. Uh, I've got a good one lined up for Christmas. Which I've got to get on to him to, to organise our recording date. But uh, um, get on to the Flat Out RC podcast, the old episodes. Subscribe now so you can stay in touch with what we're doing. And don't forget, whilst you're in the mood for subscribing, YouTube channel the Instagram and the Facebook as well. Still kicking along, so stay tuned and connect with Flat Out RC. So I'll be back next week. I hope you have a good week. I hope you get a chance to get out flying or in the shed building something. And to everybody listening around the world, g'day, how are you going? Thanks for joining us. Your winter is coming if you're in that northern hemisphere. Uh, so it's your building time, our time to get out there and fly down here. So. I'll be back next week with more. Thanks for joining me.